And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the Skype line with us today is Alex Newman of the Liberty Sentinel. And Alex, it's an honor to have you back on with us today. It's an honor to be here. Thank you so much for having me. So much we could talk about, but I just found out that you released a new book. So let's just jump right into that. Please tell us about this new book of yours. Well, I appreciate it. So we just dropped this about a week ago. It's called Indoctrinating Our Children to Death, Government Schools War on Faith, Family, and Freedom. And uh, I wanted to dispel several myths that I think are incredibly significant to understanding what's really going on. Uh, Right now, we have a terminal illness as Americans. Our country is not going to survive. Our churches are collapsing in on themselves. Our families are breaking down at unprecedented levels. Our children are killing themselves. And um, it's it's critical that we have an accurate diagnosis. When when a doctor is looking at a patient and wants to treat that patient, if he's got an inaccurate diagnosis, he's going to treat the patient wrong, and that's not going to help anything. So uh, what I wanted to do with this book is show what is really going on here. How did we get here? Because you've got uh, millions of well-meaning Christians who say, well, we've got to reform the school system. We've got to fix the school system. And what they don't understand, and what I document conclusively in the book with primary source documents and evidence— is that it was always intended to do what it's doing. You can't fix it when it's working properly. And so we need to understand what the Bible teaches about education. We need to understand what education looked like prior to the advent of this godless government-run system. We need to understand why God created government, right? Hint, it wasn't to educate your children for you. The Bible actually explains very clearly why he created government. It was to punish evil, not to take stuff from your neighbor to give to you, not to brainwash your children into transgenderism. And so we show the whole history. We show what's going on. We show where this is going. Right Right now, they're building a diabolical global so-called education system. And uh, it, it ends with a really significant call to action for parents, for pastors, and for all of society uh, that really involves looking at what the Bible teaches on education and completely rethinking it, starting with the most fundamental questions like, what is the purpose of what we're doing? What is the purpose of education? And so that's kind of what the book does in a nutshell with an extensive bibliography so people can check everything for themselves. That's a nice summary, and the book is Indoctrinating Our Children to Death, and uh, it sounds really good. Is this available now, you say? Yes, it is. Um, People can get it on Amazon if they prefer. That's the cheapest and fastest way to do it. Um, They can also get it if they want a signed copy. They can get it directly from my store. It's Mm -hmm. LibertySentinel.org. It'll take a little bit longer. And, of course, I can't provide free shipping, unfortunately, unless somebody (laughs) orders a bunch. But I'll send you signed copies. And then, of course, it'll be available at bookstores where uh, decent, reputable books are sold uh, in the coming weeks here. Yeah. It sounds really good. Our listeners might be wondering, why would you guys be talking about this, but a reminder, uh, coming up is Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day about love, and the uh, the best form is between a husband and a wife, and of course children are produced, and we want to take care of our offspring. Uh, these, are, these are arrows. God calls them arrows, and they want to be used in the hand of a warrior effectively, and education is a key part of that. Absolutely. And you know, and this is a great commission issue, Dan. I want to just touch on this briefly because I've been warning people about these things for 10 years. This is not a, a new effort for me, even though the book is new. 
you know, I, I hear a lot of times pastors say, well, you know, that's all great and well, but, you know, we're, we're just focused on the Great Commission. We don't, we don't have time to think about education. <laughs> we don't have time. And, and I say, you know, let's think, about what, what does the Great Commission say? What, what does Christ tell us at the end of Matthew? He says to make disciples Amen. of all nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them to obey or observe everything that I have commanded you. So you want to make disciples in Haiti. You want to make disciples in Laos. Well, at the same time, we're losing 80% of our young people, according to the best estimates that we have. 80% of our young people that spend 12 years in a secular, godless, pagan indoctrination camp are going to leave the church and they're going to leave the faith. Now, am I arguing that Jesus Christ will save your children? Yes. Am I arguing that the public schools <laughs> will, will damn your children? No. But if we're going to obey God, if we're going to uh, follow everything that he has commanded us to do, that very much includes how we raise, educate, and disciple our children. The Bible has a lot to say on that. And so we do need to disciple all the nations. We do need to send missionaries to Laos and Haiti and Brazil and everywhere else. But our first ministry is in our home, to our families, to our children. And we cannot disciple the nations when we're losing our own children. It's almost an oxymoron. Yeah. One of the greatest blessings in my life— um once we got married and started having children was when God led our wife, my wife, to educate our children at home. And it was not popular back then. It was You felt like you were all alone. The system was against you in ways you never thought possible. And now, now at least it's a little bit more popular. But it was a brave step for her. And, and even our own parents didn't understand what she was doing. And I just thank God that, that she did that, because our our children came to faith in Christ, and now they're raising their children, our grandchildren, to be Christians and to love the Lord and to, to serve society in godly ways. So it was the one of the best things we ever did as a family. Yeah, and, and the same is true for us. I mean, I would say one of the best decisions of my entire life, certainly in the top three, was the decision to homeschool our children. Now, yeah. is it easy always? No. Uh, is there going to be a sacrifice involved? Of course. It's huge. But this, this is what God has called us to do. I mean, go back and read Deuteronomy, some of the earliest instructions from God on how God's people are to raise and bring up their children. He says, in chapter 6 and in chapter 11, you, you need to be talking and teaching your children about God and about his laws and about his word when you wake up in the morning, when you're walking by the way, when you're <laughs> sitting down to eat, when you're going to bed at night. Notice that there's no reference there to handing your children over to Caesar, a, a godless government that is slaughtering tens of millions of babies with your tax money for education. Yes. Um, it, it's just, in, in my opinion, we really need to go back to the word of God when it comes to the education and discipling of our children. And, and I do not believe that sending your children to be discipled by a godless system for five days a week is compatible with, with the instructions that we have mm. from our king. I remember a boy, as a boy, I didn't know anything about this stuff. Nothing. My 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 family sent us to the public school. They didn't know any better. And um, I brought a little tiny, I remember it to this day, it was red-colored, Little tiny New Testament, and my fourth grade teacher, I think it was the third grade teacher, basically scolded me for having brought that little tiny, tiny New Testament into her classroom. So you think things are bad now? No, they were, they were actually quite bad back in the 60s. 
Yeah, and and that that's one of the main things I wanted to show with this book because you have each generation says, well, you know, I know it's worse now. It's not what it was when I was a child, but you know, we'll live with it. At least they're learning how to read, write, and do math. They're not learning how to read, write, or do math. And no, it wasn't good when you were a child. You just don't have a reference point. Correct. Uh, one of the things I want to do in this book, and I do it extensively in the afterward, and, and even some in the beginning, is what did education look like before the government took it over? Yeah. And what you'll find is that it's like the difference between night and day. And so I look at the key characters who, who created the system, starting with Robert Owen, the first guy I can find in the modern era, early 1800s, who seriously proposed the idea that the government ought to be involved in educating our children. I follow that through Prussia, where the system first took root, at the first ever example of education of the state, by the state, and for the state. Uh, that was, of course, reimported into the United States by Horace Mann into Massachusetts, the first ever uh, Secretary of Education, and then weaponized further by John Dewey. So these are the, you know, the the trifecta of government school founders in our country. Now, Robert Owen was a communist before Karl Marx came along. He wanted to get rid of the family. He wanted to get rid of private property. Uh, he believed so fervently in these ideas that he set up a commune, which incidentally failed after uh, two years because these ideas are unbiblical and ridiculous. But he concluded the problem was that the children had been educated in a Christian society by churches and parents and that the state ought to come in. Then communism would work really well. well. So we have a whistleblower who exposed what was going on. He said that this guy created a secret society. It, it, the whistleblower, his name was Orestes Brownson. He eventually became a Catholic and repented of his involvement with this movement uh, and exposed it, by the way. Yeah. And he said they created a secret society. And their goal, he said, was to change public opinion, get men elected to the legislature who would support government education. And the ultimate objective, according to Orestes Brownson, was to destroy Christianity. Oh my, yes. So 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 that's the the genesis of this, right? This isn't a a bug. This is a feature of the system. Now they couldn't come out right away and say, "Hey guys, we're going to brainwash your children against God." <laughs> right? They would have been tarred and feathered. So they had to do it gradually. But then you get to you know, Horace Mann also rejected the Bible. Then you get to John Dewey. This is a guy who started a new religion. That he was one of the co-founders of the humanist religion. He co-wrote the Humanist Manifesto. And so we know what his religious views were. That element one, the first tenet, we religious humanists believe the universe is self-existing and not created, which you compare that with the first words of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You see right off the bat, these are not compatible religions. These are not compatible worldviews. You read on, it's basically you know just communism masquerading as a religion. And then fast forward a, a few decades, you get to the early 1960s, and the Supreme Court actually bans the Bible, bans prayer, and and the the justice who wrote the dissent in this case, uh, you got to give him a lot of credit. He wrote a brilliant dissent. Um, his name was Potter Stewart. He says that the um, what happened in these cases was not the realization of neutrality with respect to religion in the schools. Rather, he said, this represented the establishment of the religion of secularism yes. in our nation. And he was exactly right. So we wonder why are our children killing themselves, killing each other, taking drugs, aborting their babies, uh, dyeing their hair purple, chopping off their private parts? It was because this is the fruit of a godless, wicked tree that unfortunately has taken over education in this country. The book is called Indoctrinating Our Children to Death. Author is Alex Newman, who has joined us today. And again, you may wonder why we're talking about this, but reminder, Valentine's Day is coming up, and Valentine's Day is talking about love, and uh, no no 
greater example of that between a husband and wife. And of course, the if you look at that as a system, the output of that system is uh, children. <laughs> so um, we're very concerned about our children. We want to train them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Uh, again, where can people find this book, Alex Newman? So the easiest place by far, unfortunately, is going to be Amazon. If you go to Amazon.com, you look mm-hmm. up uh, Indoctrinating Our Children to Death, uh, $17.76, free shipping. If you've got Prime, you'll have it the next day. If you'd rather have a signed copy and don't mind paying shipping and waiting a week, uh, you can buy it through my store. It's at LibertySentinel.org. And a lot of other resellers are selling it now. I've shipped a lot of bulk orders to a lot of uh, mm-hmm. smaller resellers. And uh, we should have it in bookstores here within the next few weeks. Well, it sounds like a really good book. Um wanted to keep the focus on um, our, our Christian families today in light of uh, Valentine's Day coming up. So this was, this was one topic. I've got a couple other topics, if you don't mind, I'd like to delve into. No, let's do it. Um, I don't know where to begin, but I, I want to choose um, the southern border. Um, I am really, really concerned. Um, this thing is so out of control to me. Alex, this is an invasion. I'll turn it over to you and let you speak to that. Uh, It is an invasion, and and that is the appropriate term to use here. Not in some hyperbolic sense, not in in, in some fear-mongering sense. This is an actual invasion. Uh, Congress has held hearings on the enormous number of special forces from the People's Liberation Army, the communist Chinese military, coming across that border. We've got jihadists. We've got known terrorists coming across that border in enormous numbers. We've got uh, National Guardsmen from Venezuela. We've got special operators from Cuba. We've got intelligence assets from the DGI in Cuba pouring across this border. Uh, You look at the videos of the people coming across. These are military-aged men. Yes. And we're being told, quite ridiculously, that these are refugees. Now, (laughs) I never heard of a refugee in my life who would leave behind his wife, his daughter, his sister, his mother, his grandma, and run from a war, a natural disaster, whatever it may be. I've never heard of such a thing. Any such man is a coward and ought to be stopped immediately at the border and deported back to his family. Anyone who doesn't take care of their own family is worse than an infidel. It's outrageous. So so this is not a a wave of uh, poor, hungry refugees coming across the border. That's not to say everybody coming across has evil intent. Certainly there are people who just want a job or whatever. Uh, They want a better life, but they're breaking the law. But what is happening here? Is And I actually have two chapters on this in my previous book on the deep state where I break down the real motivation here. And that book was published in 2021, even before we had this crisis. One of the big goals is to de-Christianize our society. Correct. The West used to be known as Christendom. Well, if you want to see where this is all going, Europe will give you a sneak preview. Let's take the United Kingdom as an obvious example. The United Kingdom has been a Christian nation for well over a thousand years, an officially Christian nation that publicly professed Christianity. Well, now they have a pagan prime minister, a Muslim as the mayor of their largest and capital city of London, and um, it is now political. A minority of Brits now identify as Christian, Correct. and the the whole entire society from top to bottom is being de-Christianized. The same thing is happening in a lot of other places. You've got Brits are now a minority in London. You've got Germans are now a minority in Frankfurt. You've got Swedes are now a minority in Malmo. You've got Belgians are now a minority in Brussels. And you see this happening in real time. Uh, In Sweden, a few years ago, I was living in Sweden when this happened. The uh, lesbian bishop of the Apostate Church of Sweden, the Lutheran Church of Sweden, said we ought to be taking the crosses down from our churches and building prayer rooms uh, for Allah 
facing Mecca. Oh so my! That we can, she said this openly so that we can welcome oh. the uh, the new Swedes who are coming. So now you can't have Christmas markets anymore. They're winter markets, right? All the great cities of Europe have had Christmas markets for hundreds of years, if not more. Now they're they're winter markets, and the snowmen wear burkas. So this is a deliberate process oh. of de-Christianizing our societies. And in addition to that, it's a process of undermining the concept of nations, right? God uh, explains very clearly throughout the scriptures, from, from Genesis to Revelation, that he divided mankind into nations for his purposes. I mean, the mm-hmm. whole story is in Genesis chapter 11. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 32 touches on this. Acts chapter 17 touches on this. God divided mankind into nations for a reason, right? And that is his prerogative. Well, what these people want to do is eliminate the concept of nations and reunite all of humanity in this one world system. And they say so openly. That's not that's not my opinion. Yeah, it's no and secret. That's right. And, and so what happens is, you know, you just take Sweden as an example or take any of these European countries that have now been absolutely overrun with people from the Middle East, Islamists, etc. And, uh, you know, they wake up and they look around them and they're surrounded by people who don't speak the same language as them, don't have the same culture or history as them, uh, don't share really anything in common with them. And you start saying, well, you know, why do we have these arbitrary lines on a map called borders? You know, what does it even mean to be French anymore? We'll just be part of a European Union and then ultimately the one world society that these people are building. So this is very strategic. It's, it's very calculated. And I believe when you look at the American context, it's even more dangerous than what's happening in Europe. You see these evildoers trying to foment a civil war in this country. Not only are they importing millions and millions of hostile actors. I grew up in Latin America, so I know what these people are taught. They're taught that America is the cause of all their problems, imperialism, and we're exploiting their resources and all the rest. So I know what these people are taught. Uh, And they're coming across the border. And then the federal government's telling them, hey, this is a white supremacist (laughs) society. All these people have white privilege. They're only rich because they stole your stuff. And so, uh, you know, here's a debit card. Here's a cell phone. Have fun. Right. What could possibly go wrong, folks? (laughs) This is the engineered collapse of our country. And we've got to get control of it if we hope to see our country survive and thrive into the future. That's well put. I agree with what you said there. Our guest today is Alex Newman. And he just wrote a new book, Indoctrinating Our Children to Death, and it sounds really good. And now we've been talking about the southern border and the invasion that's taking place. And by the way, it is intentional, and it is well-scripted, and our government is providing um, apps so that people can get in illegally. So our government is promoting the breaking of our own laws, and it's really concerned me because I love my family. Um, I don't know about you, Alex, but when I go to bed at night, we lock our doors. Yep, and and that's the sensible thing. Again, you know, God tells us if you don't take care of the members of your own household, that you are worse than an infidel, and you have denied Correct. the faith. And um, you know, we, we need to take this very seriously, folks. I, I don't think the overwhelming majority of Americans understand the danger that we are in right now. And I don't say these things to scare anyone. No. The Lord has not sent you a spirit of fear. Fear is the exact wrong response to the circumstances that we're facing right now. But uh, I, I do believe there's an element of God's judgment upon our nation right yes. now. You know, A lot of what we're seeing right now, people say that's going to bring judgment. I think this is judgment yes. for, for the 60, 70 million babies we've slaughtered, for the mockery we have made of of marriage, for, for exporting pornography and abortion to every yes. corner of the planet. You know, th- these are things that, of course, are contrary to God's 
uh, wishes contrary to his morality. And uh, and so we're paying the price for that. But if you love your family, if you love uh, your nation, if you love your churches, you need to recognize that we have responsibilities. God has given us uh, very, very clear social instructions for how government is to operate, for how laws are to be uh, formulated. And what we're watching now is a war on all of that. In fact, if you really want to understand what's happening here, recognize that the forces doing this to us, uh, they want to destroy and overturn everything that God has commanded. So God uh, ordered family. They want to dismantle the family. God created nations. They want to dismantle nations. God instituted the church. They want to dismantle the church. And that's because, as the Bible teaches, uh, we're in the midst of a spiritual war here. Uh, our enemies are not flesh and blood. You know, uh, Joe Biden and, and, and uh, uh, George Soros and, and David Rockefeller. I mean, these, these are human beings. They're being used and manipulated by the forces of evil. But what Paul says in Ephesians six twelve is we're, we're wrestling against powers and principalities Amen. and spiritual wickedness in high places. And once you understand that context, then I think everything else that's going on around us makes perfect sense. Amen. Amen. Um, we've only got a few minutes left. So much we could talk about. Um, human-induced climate change. Alex, uh, the longer I live and the more I consider this, I've never seen such a farce in my life. Any comments? Uh, it is a total farce. I've been going to the UN Climate Summit for 15 years now in my capacity as a, a journalist for the New American Magazine. I just got back from uh, Arabia a few weeks ago uh, for the COP28. And trust me, there's a real religious connotation to this. Right. Um, actually, at the previous one, I was in Egypt on the Sinai Peninsula. The UN and friends unveiled a new Ten Commandments, and they told us they're working on the Third Covenant. They told me this on camera, Dan. So, <laughs> this I, I'm is serious. sick. It is. And so folks recognize that this is not of God. This comes out of the pit of hell. And uh, Christians, you need to be in your Bible so that you will not be deceived by uh, these lies, by these uh, machinations of evildoers. Yeah, so true. And for us to spend money to uh, reclaim carbon dioxide and all that carbon dioxide, I remember you mentioned in another interview, that's, that's the gas of life. It is. It's the gas we exhale. <laughs> when they say that carbon dioxide is pollution, they're saying that you're exhaling pollution every time you take a breath. You exhale about two pounds of alleged pollution every day of your life. And so this is a control mechanism. The idea that God created us to exhale pollution is so self-evidently ludicrous that you know I think you have to consult Romans 1 to understand how somebody yes. could believe something so idiotic. Uh, and yet here we are. You've got not quite half of Americans believe this nonsense, but uh, a very good chunk of our fellow Americans believe this. And so we have got to educate them. We have got to educate ourselves first. And uh, we've got to be in prayer because our nation is in, is in an existential crisis. When we started talking today, you mentioned something very important to me and to our listeners, and that is the Great Commission. And you drilled down to a, an extremely important part of that great commission and that is discipling the nations and so that's this is more than just seeing conversions is it not it's training people in christendom as i understand it Absolutely. And I'm so glad you mentioned that, Dan. There's this mythology out there that discipling the nations means going out and saying, hey, Jesus loves you. Here's yeah. a free meal. See you later. Say a prayer and we're gone. Yeah. Uh, discipling is a process. It, it, it involves education. It involves training. It involves discipleship. And, uh, and again, that really needs to begin for us as parents in our own homes. That is our primary ministry that God has entrusted us with. And then later, you know, a after we've got the home part 
under control, then we can start thinking about actually discipling other nations. Yeah. Well, uh, Valentine's Day is coming up, and as we celebrate Valentine's Day with our wife or even a girlfriend, we need to think about the long-range goal of God and the family and children and grandchildren and, and really Christendom. You know what I feel nowadays? It's so bad, Alex Newman. It's so bad, I feel like Christendom and mentioning that is almost like a swear word. It is, and, and it will get worse. I mean, I, you know, the Bible does tell us that all those who live righteously in Christ Jesus shall be persecuted. <laughs> so don't expect to get out of here, you know, uh, with yeah. uh, ease, right? Yeah. God told us they hated him first. They're going to hate us, too. But be encouraged, folks. God is victorious. We Amen. are just, you know, part of his plan, and we need to do our best job to be the best children of God that we can be. Now, dear listener, look up Alex Newman on X, what used to be called Twitter. And Alex, how can they find you there and other places, please? So on Twitter, my handle is at Alex Newman, N-E-W-M-A-N underscore J-O-U, which is for journalism. Uh, my personal website is libertysentinel.org. People can sign up for our free newsletter there. We send it out twice a week with the most important news of the week. And, um, and again, the book, Indoctrinating Our Children to Death, is on Amazon or my website. How do you find time for all this and still balance your family? That's the last question I have. Well, it, I'll admit, it's a real struggle, but I have a wonderful wife. I've got wonderful children, and um, you know, I, I do my best with God's help to find a proper balance. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Alex Newman. And dear listener, uh, check out that book, Indoctrinating Our Children to Death. It may save you a lot of grief. Alex, thank you for joining us. Thanks again for having me. God bless you. Same to you. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.